Hey everyone, and welcome to Regroup in 2021. You thought all the changes were gonna be reserved for the year 2020, and you were wrong, because we are still out here mixing it up. Thank you for your flexibility um, in what has been an insane time. Uh, we recognize that this does not look like a normal Regroup. There's, this isn't even a normal presentation at the new style of Regroup that we tried in the fall. We're just constantly mixing it up. This is more of a podcast conversational style. There are still important things we felt like that you need to know as community group leaders, but really felt like there was no great way for us to do the normal thing. We always talk about regroup needing to equip, encourage, and inspire. And we, we hope that we can do as much of that as we can tonight, but also recognizing that the format's just gonna be different. So we're giving it a shot. And like always, we'd love your feedback, but thanks for jumping in. We're gonna be having some time of sharing together and then going into conversation Q and A's with your coach continuing to be on Zoom. So we're just Zooming it all away in 2021. Not my best joke. I'm going to move on to the script here. Okay. Uh, you guys, you know, community group leaders, you're the core of Northridge. We love you guys. And we're so grateful for you because you shepherd our church. That's what it means to pastor is to shepherd. And you pastor, you, you take care of the people in your group and your role has never been more crucial than it is right now in this moment. Because COVID hasn't just caused sickness, although it's caused a lot of that. It's caused jobs, it's financial constraints, there's the isolation, all of that has led to an increase in depression and anxiety, substance abuse, even marital abuse, thoughts of suicide, all kinds of societal ills are being, are happening right now because of COVID and it's been a hard year. But what we found and what uh, research, especially from the Barna group is indicating is that Christians who were engaged with a community of believers have done much better during this difficult time of isolation. And I recognize that it can feel like, man, when you're going to group each week, it doesn't feel right. It's like, are we really even doing anything? And we're telling you, yes, you are. You're making a huge difference because church is way more than just a weekly Sunday service, right? We've learned that for sure this year. It's an interconnected community of Christ followers, and we're all trying to disciple each other so that when crazy stuff happens, like, I don't know, all of 2020 and maybe all of 2021 for all we know, we're going to be able to be together and connect and care for each other. And the people in your group are the people that God has given you to shepherd. We're so thankful for you. Thank you for doing it. All of your praying and planning and perseverance has made a difference um, over the last year, and we're hoping it continues to do that. Um, but I want to jump into a conversation with these other guys because I'm fairly certain I was just asked to host and I'm out here <laughs> preaching right now. So I got to chill. Um, <laughs> I got to relax. So anyway, Jason DeGraff, I didn't even introduce myself. I'm Aaron Hickson. I'm our Rochester campus pastor. I'm way off script. Jason DeGraff is our community groups pastor. He also uh, helps lead things out in Webster and then Drew Karshner, of course, our lead pastor. Um, yeah, let's just look back at 2020 a little bit. And Drew, you can answer this question first. But as we look back, Tell us kind of an overview. What happened over this past year? What was God up to? What changed here at Northridge? Yeah, I, I think that's a, a crazy question to answer in 2020 because, man, a lot changed. There was a lot going on. And by the way, shout out to all our group leaders, man. I, got, I love you guys. Thank you for what you do. And I just want you to know how thankful I am in a year. I think this year really revealed to everybody something that we already knew but it just highlighted it as how important you are to the life of our church so thank you for all that you do you know but as we look at 2020 man it was a hard year a difficult year but yet god is god and it doesn't matter if it's a, a good year or a bad year god is still uh being glorified and, and we saw that in the life of our church in, in a lot of different ways and i just kind of want to highlight some of those um we opened a brand new permanent campus in webster um, a journey that we all came together and sacrificed for and we got to see the grand opening we we've seen god use that building in, in some really cool and awesome ways and the church isn't a building but you know, having a brand new permanent facility, it, it enables us to be able to reach more people uh, for 
the sake of more and better disciples. We saw hundreds of people uh, place their faith in Jesus Christ during this year, a hard year. And guess what? When things get hard, a lot of people who are maybe opposed or wouldn't consider God are, are turning to God. And so that's exciting. A lot of uh, eternities changed. We turned our lobby um, when we weren't meeting. We were all on when we were online only. Um, we turned our lobby into a food pantry and we gave hundreds of boxes of food away to people in need who, who didn't have you know, everyday supplies to make it through. So we were able to give food away to people in our community. We started broadcasting on TV on the CW and man, this is kind of a, been a unique journey. And I've heard story after story from people saying, Hey, we started watching you on television. Thanks for uh, making that. I heard of a nursing home that plays it every Sunday. So uh, the people in the nursing home can watch and, and take part in a church service. Um, we had Easter online. And if you would have told me that, I think I, I would have laughed at you. We had Easter completely online, but yet we had thousands of viewers show up. And, and honestly, we were just able to love and care for people um, as the church should in a really difficult and, and hard time. And, you know, we helped the church in the city of Rochester that was looted and couldn't have services. Uh, we, we helped them buy the things that they lost to get back on their feet to start services again. Uh, we ministered to thousands of people in the Rochester area. And I think most importantly, most importantly, like those are all great things. Those are all awesome things. But most importantly, I think we brought we, we, we brought glory to God in, in 2020 in all the ways that we did. We didn't do it perfectly by any means. It was a wild and crazy year where we were adjusting and making calls um, that they don't really train you for in seminary. But man, I, I look back and I'm like, wow, God did what only God could do. And, and I really think our church, the people of Northridge, brought uh, glory to God in a, in a really difficult year. And I'm proud of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Drew, for recapping all that. And by the way, I hear the phrase things they didn't train you for in seminary enough. And I say it enough that all three of us went to seminary. I'm starting to wonder what they do train you for in seminary because it seems like it's not any of the things that we actually do. That's a different conversation. Jason, look back on 2020. What was different and how did things go in groups? Yeah. So as we jumped into uh, 2020, obviously we didn't know in January what was going to happen the rest of the year, but as we came across or in February or in March or in, (laughs) or in June, (laughs) but once we realized what we were in, um, you know, as a, as the group's pastor, I really didn't know what to expect uh, from our community groups. And one way I would think groups are going to do better than ever because one, we can't meet in person. So people need each other. They're isolated. But on the other hand, figuring out how to meet with people has been harder than ever. So what are groups going to look like this year? Are people going to want to connect with a group or disconnect from a group? And I would say that I I was really grateful for how our church responded, that in a a difficult season, people stayed committed to their group. Uh, They made that a priority in their life. And just a, a few numbers and stories to kind of talk about what happened with groups at Northridge this year. So as we look back at 2020, we had 1,620 adults attend a community group this year. And to give that some perspective, uh, looking at our attendance in January and February in person before we uh, had half of our church or more meeting online, we were running between 1,600 or 1,400 to 1,600 adults, um, not counting kids, on a, on a Sunday morning service. And so a lot of our church has connected into a community group this year. Wow. And really that's been made possible by you as leaders caring for and connecting with your group members and even creating space for new people 
by starting new groups. So this past year, we were able to launch 19 new groups at Northridge. Um, some of those came as a result of multiplications. Uh, as we jumped into the fall, we were trying to figure out how to meet. Some multiplied just so you could have your group be smaller this fall. But uh, doing that, you created space for new people to jump into a group. In fact, we saw 307 people attend a community group for the very first time this fall, and or th this past year. And then this fall, when we were trying to figure out, hey, is my group meeting in person? Are we meeting online? Are we doing a hybrid thing? It was a more difficult season than most to add a new person to our group, but we saw 131 new people jump into a group this fall. And, and a couple of stories about people who were able to connect to groups. Um, one, this summer we launched two groups uh, that had ASL interpretation. Uh, those were online. And then this fall we had one, uh, one of those groups move uh, to an in-person option. And so we were now able to provide a community group experience to the deaf and hard of hearing community, a community that's often been neglected. And so we were better able to help enfold them into the body of Christ. And there's, there's a great need there. There's, there's a demand for even more of that. And so as we have opportunity, we want, we want to continue to grow that option. But one other story, just of one of the 307 people who connected with the group this fall, there was a young woman who moved to Rochester she was a medical resident, and so she needed to connect with a group, but she couldn't attend one in person because of the nature of her job. And so she was able to jump into the Capuano group. And I got a text from her. Her name was Hannah, uh, right before uh, Thanksgiving, uh, right after the group trimester ended. And she just talked about how amazing and what a blessing that group was to her. And so when I got that text, I wanted to relay that message to Tom and Laura Capuano. And as I shared that with them, they said, hey, you know, we just heard from her that uh, she is not able to travel home for Thanksgiving because of the nature of her job. She could only go a certain distance away. And so she wasn't able to go home. So they invited her to their home for Thanksgiving. But unfortunately, because of her job, she wasn't allowed to even go to their home uh, in person. And so they put together some of their Thanksgiving um, meal and put it in some Tupperware and delivered it to her door with some pecan pie. And uh, they were just loving on her. So she's just one uh, of 307 people that because of you were able to experience a group wow. this fall. And I guess one other thing I would say, uh, as we went throughout this fall and throughout this past year, nearly every one of our community groups figured out a way to continue to meet and stay connected with yeah. each other. And I think one group that epitomized that this fall, um, the McCormand Hohensey group, a good number of the group members were students at St. John Fisher. And about halfway through the trimester, the school said, hey, we're closing our doors and we're sending Oops. you home. <laughs> so they had a bunch of college students uh, going back to other parts of the state or even other states, but they still were able to connect and meet with those uh, students. They did the hybrid thing where they were piping in online with the people who were meeting in person. So really, in spite of COVID and really because of COVID, uh, the people of Northridge have continued to com connect in community together and, and really do life with other Christ followers. Yeah, man, what a, what a summary. I know I recognize that there's a lot of ways we can look back on 2020, but I'm hoping that we can see where God has been at work. And even we're going to be highlighting that in our sermon series here coming soon as well. But Jason, you did just indicate to me that, you know, there's only a few different kinds of people in the world. There's people who say pecan, there's people who say pecan, and then there's people who say 
Pe- pecan. I don't know. There's, I don't know what the different pronunciations is, but whatever it was, I could tell that you were thinking about it. And I wanted to say pecan because I feel like you need to say pecan pie. My Seattle native in Georgia where they grow pecans. Okay, pecan. just so everybody knows, they grow pecans. Ain't nobody want pea on their nuts. They want pecans. Okay. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I didn't know there was a way to remember it. Hallelujah. Okay. So that's what, that's how 2020 looked like. Let's talk a little bit about um, what we learned from groups this past fall. So the fall of 2020, this is when we were like really in the pandemic. We understood a little bit about how it was going to function. It wasn't as surprising as it wasn't in the spring. We were sort of used to the rhythms, but we were trying to figure out what group was going to look like this fall. So um, what did we learn? We want to explore that a bit. And I think it's worth talking about like what does hearing what other groups are doing, why does that even help me? Like, why do I need to know that? And I think, first of all, we can always gain ideas from what other people tried. Anytime, you know, what's cool is we have this experiment constantly running where there's, you know, like a hundred something community groups constantly running at the same time, all doing things a little differently. So we might as well learn from each other's things. But then also, ultimately, that helps us broaden our perspective. That's the second idea. Um, Everything about your group might not be the same as everyone else's group. Um, and even though all of the particular struggles of your group might not be universal, there are some things that apply across the board and that are experience. I mean, that are, that are normal parts of group experience. And so even though we're not looking to like, ha ha, your group struggled, because uh, <laughs> we're not trying to be like vindictive, there is a sense in which like when you hear that another group's like, man, we're just really trying to figure this out or like the childcare thing just didn't work or this did or didn't work for our group. It's, it's just good to know like, oh, phew. <laughs> It wasn't just us. Like we weren't the only people who felt like this particular thing did or did not work for us. So that's why we want to learn from others and just hear. So I just want to hear briefly, guys, what did you guys do for your groups? Jason, why don't you kick us off? What did your group do this fall? Yeah, so my group was like many groups. Um, We decided to try to meet outside um, and meet online. Uh, We kind of did the hybrid thing. Um, and so we had like a three week rotation in our group. So we would do a social gathering outside somewhere, um, for one week. And then the next two weeks we were doing uh, a rotation of a split between men and women. So like the guys would go to a restaurant patio somewhere, uh, meet up earlier in the evening. And then the girls would connect online later that night. And then it would flip flop, um, the next week. And so we tried that and, if you asked how it went, I would say it went okay. Um, it wasn't ideal. Um, there was some challenges to it, but for those who were able to connect, I think we had some really good connections this fall. And uh, even for my group, it was a, was a challenging season. We had uh, one of our core members, uh, she's an ICU nurse, and she was, she's been working with COVID patients right from the beginning. Um, and yet with all of that, she's been one of our most consistent group members. Wow. Um, and then with our group, there was a lot of uh, babies this year. We had five babies born in the last calendar year. Uh, what are you guys putting in the punch, yeah, bro? So making disciples right there. Crazy here, definitely, one at a time. So one of them was born this fall, and then even we have one more on the way in our group. So six different families, um, five babies here, one on the way. So that, you know, it was a challenging season for many people to connect in the community. But I would say for those who were able to make it, we had we had some good connections. That's awesome. Drew, what about you guys? What'd you do? Yeah, our strategy was bonfires, man. So <laughs> praise the Lord. I, I think God gave us a gift too. Fall was like extended this year. The That's weather true. was nice, nice. And so Ashley and I, we host our group at our house. And so 
interestingly enough, I was cutting some trees down. So I had a ton of uh, firewood. So we just had a big bonfire every Tuesday night. And, you know, we said, hey, we loved it for you to come. Pretty much as long as people could make it in their schedule, they were there. They were pretty consistent. And it was actually kind of fun. It was it was a different change of pace. We all got to sit around. We brought chairs and, you know, we roasted marshmallows. We, you know, in a safe COVID manner, like, so everybody kind of brought their own stuff and like their own snacks, which was, was kind of fun. And we just talked and we, you know, we did sermon discussion around the fire and it was, it was just so cool. It, it was really nice. And I feel like in the season, it, it gave people a, a chance to be even more authentic and real because everybody at some level was hurting or struggling. COVID gave us all like this, this, you know, you know, this, we're all together in this. And so it was actually, uh, I was really Im- impressed with our group and how they came out and how they said they needed it. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, my group was, I think we did all of those. <laughs> we, we started outdoors meeting in person. Then we moved indoors, uh, masked indoors. So we were meeting in person, I mean, inside in person with masks. And we did one night where we were all together, like all, all guys and girls together and it was just like, okay, there's no way we're doing masks and any degree of social distancing if we do it that way. So then we ended up splitting guys and girls in the same house in different rooms, still masked. And then we ended, I think the way we ended the trimester, I'm trying to remember, it kind of like slowly progressed to the point where like we can't be outside and there's too many people for masks and whatever. So we ended with uh, every other week digital um, versus, you know, one group met in person and the guys were online and then the we'd flip flop or whatever. So we ended up doing almost all three versions of the way that people did it over the course of the semester, just because um, of the size of our group and the size of our house and all that kind of stuff. So we did kind of all of it. And, and as you say, I think it was good for the people who were able to make it. Although none of us felt like it was exactly what we wanted to be doing and masks. And like for me, putting on a mask inside of my own house is, you know, it's definitely weird, but I mean, it's what you got to do. You know, this is, that's the world we're living in. So. Um, that's kind of the, the gist of how things went, but I would wonder, Jason, obviously we got lots of groups. We surveyed them. What were people saying? What were the big takeaways from the survey that we send to better understand everyone else's experience? Yeah. So at the end of the fall trimester, we just wanted to, to learn from you, you know, what exactly happened with groups this fall? Was there any trends, any themes, uh, that we could take away, even as we think about groups now in January and, and in the spring? And so I really boiled down um, all of your thoughts into seven takeaways um, from the survey. And so I just wanted to walk through those. Um, The first one was, where did people meet? Uh, Well, this fall, actually, most of our groups met in person. Um, We saw 68% of our groups meet in person. 20% of them did the hybrid thing, some in person, some online. Um, And then 12% of them met online. And so if you do the quick mental math, that's almost 90% of our groups that found some way to at least have some in-person gatherings this fall. Um, now, as we move into January, that number might have to shift a little bit, and we'll, we'll talk about that more tonight. The second takeaway was that splitting men and women was popular. And I'm not sure the actual total number of groups uh, that Uh, made that decision, but there was a a good number of groups that did that. And so that looked at a variety of different formats. We've already talked about a few of those, but uh, some of them met in the same home at the same time, just in different rooms. 
Um, some did the alternating weeks of online and in-person, some on the same evening online and in-person. Um, some groups uh, would meet all together, uh, both genders for a week, and then they would do split gender on the, the alternate weeks. And even some of those that did the, the split gender thing, when they did that, they would make those their social nights. It would be like a, a girl's night, you know, they watch a movie or they eat some food together, or do some sort of service project together. And there was a lot of benefits to, to doing that. One is that it kept group size, sizes smaller, so people could social distance, they could fit into homes, which was especially helpful once we hit that 10 uh, number limit at the end of uh, the trimester in the fall. It helped out with childcare as groups were trying to figure out, hey, how do we watch kids? One spouse could watch the kids while the other uh, group met. Uh, and there were some just uh, some big wins to that. Many of you shared that with those split gender gatherings that people just tended to be uh, more open. There was more intimacy, uh, more sharing. And really, it just provided, like Drew said, a, a nice change of pace for group from what you had normally been doing. So that was the second thing. Number three was that creativity was key. So even trying to figure out uh, how to do group this fall, it was complicated. Um, and trying to figure out where to meet. Uh, what did to talk about? Um, some different locations where people met. Some did restaurant patios. I know one group, they played pickleball together <laughs> to start group, and then they go to Panera after that. So sweaty. Pickleball and, then, and Panera. Panera. Yes. <laughs> B and P. Um, I know one group that did a social, they did an online Netflix watch party. Um, so there's an app where you could do that. So they watched the movie together. Who knew? Like, like Drew said, uh, a lot of groups did. Uh, the backyard uh, fire pits uh, this fall. And thankfully, again, we had some pretty good weather this fall. Uh, some did the apple orchard, you know, thing with their group. Um, went to parks, met in heated garages. I know even one group that they really wanted to gather for Thanksgiving to do a, a meal together. So they met in a big barn on one of their properties. So they figured out different locations to meet. And even when it, when it came to figuring out what do you want to discuss this fall, for some people they said, hey, I don't want to add more complication to group. We're just going to continue to dis discuss the sermon. But other people wanted to try something different. It's a new season, and so trying something different. So I know one group, they went through the Gospel of John together. There's a, a curriculum or a video we've used in Starting Point, which, which is a word-for-word reenactment of the Gospel of John. So they just opened up their Bibles to John every week, and they would watch a chapter or two of John and talk about it. Um, some other groups studied the book of Acts and Colossians. Some actually read uh, some different Christian books. And I think there was some mixed um, success with that. Anytime you're asking somebody to do something outside of a group meeting time, <laughs> it can be hard to get people to actually read or listen to something. But uh, some groups tried that. Uh, a lot of groups did Right Now Media series. Uh, some of them streamed them right through Zoom. Others watched them on a TV when they met in person. Yo, Jason, um, by the way, insider information, Northwood Church is on Right Now Media now. Unfiltered wow. Jesus Right Now Media picked up and is now available for any small group around whoever can log into Right Now Media, uh, they can use. And, and I think that's pretty cool. So if you love that enough, you can discuss that for a second time with your group. <laughs> you can watch this it. This winter. 
Hey, seeing Israel in person, that was amazing. Northridge, let's get it trending. Hashtag unfiltered Jesus. Just watch that. Watch the mess out of that on, on Right Now Media. Let's get trending. Have it on replay while you're in your kitchen cooking. I, just, would, I don't think we'd get royalties, but we totally should. Let's see if we can. Dude, our, our video team was amazing with that series, too, and Drew Absolutely. and Meg Davidson. Drew and Meg Davidson are amazing. Um, so, a, a couple other things, though, too, as far as uh, curriculum. Um, in, in a season where there's been a lot of marriage struggles, uh, several groups mm -hmm. did marriage series. I know the Bixby Lintilla group, they were all like brand new married couples. And so they did a six week study together. Um, and some people even just listened to a podcast together. They said, hey, listen to this and we're going to talk about it this week. So uh, again, creativity was really key in trying to figure out how to do groups this fall. I think the biggest takeaway uh, was that small was big, really. Um, the number one piece of feedback we got was that you um, really appreciated the intimacy that came from having less people in your meetings. And that, that might have been because you split for gender or it might have just been because less people were showing up to your group. Uh, but when that happens, it, it's easier to really dive deep with an individual. And I know there was even one night in my group this fall, uh, we were going out to Buffalo Wild Wings, eating some wings on the patio. And one of the, it was only me and one other guy that could make it that night. And he was trying to wrestle with some direction in his life. He's a quieter guy, but we had one of the best discussions we've had. And I felt like he was able to walk away from that conversation and really take some helpful steps in his own faith and, and his own journey. So small was big. Number five, young adult groups and our empty nester groups are the groups that fared the best. Um, some of them thrived, some of them just continued at a, a normal rate for groups, but, but those groups saw more consistent attendance, uh, new additions to their groups, um, maybe more social gatherings or even multiplying. But groups that had um, children, those groups were, were a challenge, not maybe for every group, but it was just a more challenging season if you have children to try to figure out how to make groups work during this season. Uh, a sixth takeaway was that figuring out groups was hard, uh, which is pretty obvious, but I think no matter what format uh, you chose for your group this fall, every format had its challenges. So if you're meeting in person, uh, you had the, the, the masking challenge. Do you wear a mask? Do you not wear a mask? If you do wear a mask, we all know it's uncomfortable. Your ears hurt. You're, you're try, trying to talk. It's hard to hear each other. Um, and even the social distancing thing, it's just awkward. Like how close do I get to this person? How do I connect with this person? Do I feel like I'm coming across like I don't care about you because I'm standing aloof to you? Uh, so in-person was a challenge. Hybrid was a challenge. I think when you're trying to have a group of people meet online and in person, it's hard to really get everybody to fully engage. Hearing people is a challenge. Seeing people is a challenge. And, and even online, if your group was exclusively online, just doing a, a formal discussion in an online format can be more of a challenge, especially if you have a, a have a larger group. And probably the, the number one piece of feedback that we had that was hard with meeting online was that you just missed seeing people in person. You really wanted to be with your friends and hang out with them. So that was a challenge. And the, the last takeaway, takeaway number seven, was that group experience varied. And I think Aaron already mentioned this, but uh, for some people, COVID was the best thing that ever happened to your group. Your group actually dove in more together than ever before. They bonded together. But for other groups, COVID was the worst thing that happened. Um, whether your group was struggling or not ahead of time, 
uh, for many groups that just really made it hard for the group to really feel connected and connect this fall. So those were the seven takeaways we got uh, from the survey that you guys sent out um, or filled out in November. Yeah, thanks for doing that. I know it, um, it might feel like, oh my goodness, another email with another Google form, but genuinely like we're, we're doing everything we can to make groups effective. And as we crowdsource this information, we just are substantially more effective. So thank you for being willing to do those. Um, and I know they can just feel like one more thing, but it makes a big difference for us. So I think we're all anxious to be in 2021, not because any of us feel like there's something magical about, you know, a new year, but, but because it, it expresses the universal experience of hope <laughs> that maybe something's going to be a little bit different. So Drew, just give us a sense, bro. Like what's coming in 2021? What series are coming at Northridge? Yeah. So I think what's coming in 2021 is a, a little bit more of 2020. Um, <laughs> honestly, uh, you know, one, I want to warn you again, thinking a new year is going to change things for you, man. The good news for us as Christians is we believe God's in control and you know, that's his call. But you know, hey, I think we're going to experience more 2020. You think about series, we're actually going to uh, do that in a series called Silver Lining. So we're going to start uh, the year with a series where we look at 2020. And man, I just don't think God brings you through a year like that without lessons that we can and should learn and we don't want to miss. And so we're going to look at some of the lessons that God taught us in a series called Silver Linings in the year of 2020. And then we're going to jump into a series called How to Be Rich. You know, I don't know anybody who, if they were asked, hey, if you, you could be wealthy, if you could choose that, would you want that? And I think most of us, you know, even in our culture today, being rich is what we all want. But what does it actually mean to be rich and talking about generosity and God's heart and who is rich and what being rich really, truly looks like? And so we're going to do some unique things in that series, like as a church in the sense of we're going to be generous to our community and to people who in the year 2020 have done so much like frontline workers. And so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that series. Uh, in between that, there's a two week, there's two weeks that actually I'm, I'm in the process of chill, still praying through and, and, and kind of seeking God. I'm here, here's what I'm thinking. So don't bank on this, but this could happen. I'm, I'm thinking about doing a two week series on grace. So understanding the word grace and how God defines it and what his word defines it as. But then I think one thing that maybe was a struggle for us in 2020 is giving grace. You know, we became so uptight and like just giving grace to people that mess up, giving grace, uh, the same grace that God gives us each and every day when we sin. And so that's where I'm leaning, but I'm not sure. Aaron and I are kind of still working through that right now. So we'll figure it out. But I think that's kind of the direction I'm leaning. And then building up to Easter, we're going to do a series called The Courtroom, um, where we look at the gospel through the lens of the court and, you know, some of the different players in there and how that connects so well with the gospel. Um, and so it's going to be a unique series. I'm looking forward to 2021. I'm sure everybody is, but I think, you know, this is just a prediction beyond church. I think there will not be a year 2021. I actually think 2020 is just going to be a two year year <laughs> that we all run through. <laughs> Wow, that's quite the prediction. Somebody mark it down because uh, this is this is quite the time to make predictions. But no, yeah, I hear you. Thanks for walking us through. I'm looking forward to those series as well. We've got some cool things, you know, as we dive into God's word together. Um, so that's church as a whole. That's Sunday morning. Uh, let's think about groups, Jason. What do we need to know? What's coming in this, this trimester? Yeah, so as we think about uh, groups in January and in the spring, uh, what, what's next? Um, 
I really want to share three things with you. The, the first one is stay flexible. As we've talked about, as Drew just mentioned, we don't know what's coming next. Um, as we try to be flexible, I think part of that, though, is starting with a plan. So from what we heard from the survey, from our experience, the groups that um, said, hey, we're just going to take it each week at a time and do what works for the most amount of people, those groups tended to struggle this fall. But groups that said, hey, here's our plan. Um, we're just going to do it for those who it works for. Those groups did the best. So try to make a plan as far as how you're going to meet or what you're going to discuss. In fact, we're going to send out um, some email communication uh, with some curriculum options. I think that's also going to be included in our equipped email. So be looking for that. But try to figure out what you're going to um, talk about and what your meeting plan will be look like. But again, we want to stay flexible with that. Be open to change. Uh, as the author of James said in James 4, uh, we should say, if the Lord wills, then we will do this or we will do that because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And really where, where most of our groups this fall met um, in person, it's likely that many of our groups will be meeting um, online over this winter trimester. A second thing I want to say is just leave the results to God. Um, I think many of us wrestled with, and, and this came through, one of the questions in the survey that we sent to you was, hey, how do I get people to show up? How do I get people to engage? How do I get people to attend group or really be committed to group? And so I'd say, we're gonna, we can do what we can, but really, we got to leave that in God's hands. And as we wrestle with that question, how do you actually get people to commit to and be bought into your group? I think there's really two things, and these are true. Uh, pre-pandemic and in the middle of a pandemic. But the way that you get people to commit to a group is when you connect with your group outside of a meeting and, and when you care for them. Uh, when people really feel like you want to have a relationship with them and uh, you have shown care for them, then they're more likely to be part of a group. And, and you as leaders, you guys do that well. Um, you have delivered meals. You have um, sent cards to people. You have helped financially when group members were in need. Uh, occasionally, though, there's needs to come up in group that maybe it's hard for your group to really be able to meet those needs. And so something that we're rolling out in um, January this year is a, something called a community group care fund, where we want to help you to meet needs that might maybe go beyond the scope of what you as a group can handle. Uh, Paul writes in Galatians 6.10, he says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And as a church, we're, we're really passionate about uh, caring for needs in our community. But as Paul writes here, our first priority is to care for the people in our own church. And, and the number one way that happens is through community groups. And so if there's a need that comes up in your group that you feel like, hey, we might need some additional help, let your coach know and we can have a conversation with you about helping to care for those people. But you can connect with your group members, you can care, you can invite, but you can't control them. And so just leave the results to God with people showing up to your group. As we've mentioned, we're in the middle of a pandemic, an economic recession. This was a divisive election year. And so having healthy expectations about people's engagement in group, I think is wise. One last thing I wanna say as we think about our January trimester is this, that to remember the goal. Uh, the goal for groups has never been about attending meetings. It's really been about living in biblical community together. 
And so we do that three ways at Northridge. We seek to apply the Bible, build relationships, and care for each other. And really, if you never meet formally, but you accomplish those three goals, then that is success for your group this year. That's awesome. Great reminders, Jason. Uh, so, hey, where do we go from here? Uh, what do we need to do, Drew? What, what do you want to leave us with? Yeah, I think as group leaders, I, I just want to remind you that you play a vital role. I think 2020 has revealed this over and over again of how important uh, that that role you do. And I know we say this a lot, but seriously, these aren't just words to, to make you feel good or pat you on the back. I think, Aaron, you said at the beginning, you're a shepherd. And that's, that's, that's how the Bible describes a pastor. You're a shepherd and you have an influential leadership role at our church. And so I want you to know, we want to be there for you. Jason wants to be there for you. And we want to care for you as you lead in love. And your, your, your role is so vital in the lifeblood of our church. And so thank you for all that you do. And don't take that lightly. Uh, what you do is very important. And man, we have no way to care, love, grow people without you. And so, man, our, our church is large and the way we care for them, we help them grow in their walk with Jesus Christ is through your leadership and through your commitment to our church and the people you shepherd and love. And so, man, thank you. And just know how vital you are to our church. I'm going to say it over and over again until you get sick of hearing it, but you play a huge role and we are so thankful for you. That's right. Totally agreed. Jason, what do you want to leave us with? Yeah, so from here, what we're going to do, we want to um, more specifically answer any additional questions you have and then hear from you. So we're going to jump into our Zoom Q&A and you can connect with your coach. Uh, some of you will be connecting with your coach face-to-face uh, -face for the first time. We actually, during the season of campus mergers and role shifts with our staff, we added two new coaches that are beginning uh, in January. Those two new coaches are Nate Logan, who is our spiritual development pastor, and Adam Congdon, who is our biblical counseling director. So if you had a coaching shift, you should have already heard from your coach uh, in December. But we're going to jump into a Zoom connection with them now. Um, you should have received links uh, for that and the emails that we sent out. You can find them on the group leader website and you can find them right here in our live uh, Northbridge Rochester platform. It should be in the chat or in the notes section to, to click on that to connect with your coach. One last thing, uh, when it comes to our start date for our January trimester, we had originally uh, listed it as January 10th. We decided to move that back to January 17th just to give you one more week after regroup to take some of these ideas and formulate your plan for your uh, winter trimester. You know, again, you're free to meet. Uh, earlier if you want, but you have another week to kind of get your plans in order for this group trimester. That's right. Hey, group leaders, we love you very much. Thanks for jumping in. Thanks for being flexible on this format. We really hope that in fall, we'll be back to regroup as it is with some outlaw baked potatoes as big as your face on a plate. But until <laughs> then, we'll see you in Zoom. And to my group leaders, see you soon. Was that weird? Okay. See you guys. Thanks. <laughs>